this time, let's have a word of prayer, and uh, we're going to get into our study. I'm going to be concluding the the series on spiritual possession, and and so let's have a word of prayer together uh, before we get started into this. So I invite you to bow your heads and hearts with me. Father in heaven, we do thank you so very, very much for your continuous watch care over us, your love and understanding, your long-suffering and mercy toward us. Uh, We are so frail in our faith and uh, and in our walk, and uh, we we stumble quite often. Uh, But we, we look to Jesus, who is the most precious gift that you've given to us and and the assurances that through him we may uh, have life and have it more abundantly and and so we we ask forgiveness to where we've sinned against you against each other we pray for the holy spirit to come into our hearts and into our minds and and, and change us and uh, help us uh, to see more clearly and, and to put away sin, and to overcome these tendencies that we have. We have an enemy that we've learned here even uh, more about. We know his, his ways, and we know the solution. And we pray for the Spirit to build that hedge around us uh, so that uh, we can have victory, and also that we can be a light to those uh, that we come in contact with. Father, I lift up before you those on our prayer lists, those who are sick, those who battle with uh, health issues, uh, emotional issues, uh, Father, mental issues. I pray that you will remove the evil forces around uh, our children, around uh, uh, those that we love, that they may see clearly and make right decisions. I pray for the power of angels that excel in strength to help these people break open the cage uh, of these um, demons that have possessed them and that they may give glory uh, to thee. Please give me the words to speak this morning. Uh, May they be your words, not opinions of men. And may hearts be ready to hear and give them understanding as we look through uh, the conclusion of this, this series. And I pray that uh, the things that we've learned we'll be able to use as the tools that you've provided uh, to be overcomers in thy, thy name and stand on that sea of glass one day very, very soon. I thank you for hearing this prayer, for it is asked in the name of Jesus, who is so worthy. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, this is uh, the conclusion of the series... Uh, that I entitled Spiritual Possession. And and what I want to do is, uh, I want to spend time with you this morning. Uh, I want to summarize what we've learned. Because it it has been, if you look at parts in this series, this this would be considered part eight. I mean, that's that's quite a lot. That's a couple months worth, you know, uh, as far as that goes. Not, of course, 60 days, but you know what I mean. Uh, That's a lot of time. And I hope that this series has helped to educate you to the power and the limitations that uh, that demons have, as well as remove doubts that you may have and give you confidence that every believer may have, uh, um, that we can possess the strength to resist and help others to resist these foes of Christ and these, foe, uh, the, these foes and uh, enemies of us. Um, Jesus can give us victory over sin and the devil. Now we read that in the Bible, uh, but maybe oftentimes we we have limited what the battle is, um, the spiritual battle is, to our just immediate, you know, sometimes I think we get caught into our immediate sphere, you know. But there are greater battles uh, that lie ahead, and there are ba- greater battles that are going on. And Jesus can give us victory, not only over sin, but of the devil. Uh, in part one of this series, when we started, we looked at the main powers involved 
when we talk about spiritual possession. And, and then we also went in and we defined some terms so that we'd be on the same page as we went along because some people have different definitions for the same words and that can be very, very confusing. And I'll give you an example. Uh, and I think I gave this to you the last time. There are some ministers who say, oh, harassment from demons, well, that's temptation. They, they tempt you to do things. And that's not always the case. Um, harassment is not always necessarily temptation. And so the, there needs to be more strict kind of a line of definition there because that can cause some confusion with people. And so uh, we looked at some definitions, and we found that the powers, and we talked about the powers uh, that were involved, are powers beyond what humans really can relate to, as they are supernatural powers. Uh, the players involved, they're fighting for the possession of our minds uh, in this battle here on earth. And we found that these power players were, as you know, John said in Revelation 12 and 18, they are the spirits of devils on one hand, and remember we talked about that angel that came down from heaven having great power on the other. Essentially, the two sides in this cosmic conflict between uh, is between Jesus and his angels and Satan and his angels. The spirit of Christ and the spirit of Antichrist. And you see this over and over. We talked about uh, who and what the church is. There's only two churches we discover. And people will say, oh, there's hundreds of churches. No, there isn't. Because um, there's only two spirits. There's only two sides in this warfare. And we defined what's meant by the word possession. Webster's Dictionary, the 1828 edition, defines the word possession as, first of all, the having, holding, or detention of property in one's power or command. Actual seizing or occupancy, either rightful or wrongful. One man uh, may have the possession of a thing and another may have the right of possession or property. And the second definition Webster gave was to take possession, to enter on, or to bring within one's power or occupancy. Um, the Greek word used very often for the phrase possessed with devils is daimonizomi. And it means to, it, it's kind of the, that's where we get the word demon from. It means to be exercised by a demon, see, to have a demon, be vexed with or, or, or be possessed with devil or devils. Um, and, and like I said before, it doesn't infer being harassed by demons, which Christians are, those who are born again. They, they are harassed um, by these demons. Uh, it means to be physically taken over by, uh, physically. Um, and this is manifested in different degrees, but the bottom line is that you're no longer in control of yourself, so to speak, you are controlled by demons to some extent, whether it's minor control or major control. And it doesn't mean that you, uh, we looked at, and, and I hope I, that you understand this, it doesn't mean that you no longer have a will or you no longer have the freedom to choose. It means that your will has been caged. You remember me talking about that? It's kind of like you're a prisoner of war, so to speak. You've been taken captive, it's caged. And that allows them to kind of beat you down spiritually speaking, and sometimes physically as well. It's manifested you know, physically. And, and, and so you become so weakened, you become so weakened mentally, physically, spiritually, that you cannot but make the wrong choices. And that's where sin often leads us, isn't it? But it is possible that Jesus can be seen through those bars of the cage and, and set the captive free. So there's always hope for a captive will, at least until the Holy Spirit's grieved away. Isn't that true? We can never say to God, in other words, we can never say to God that the devil made me do it because we have made the choice. The reaction to Christ, um, remember by the demoniacs at Gadara, that's a great example that shows uh, this about the will. Um, we learned also that to cast out means to cast out or drive out, to send out 
usually with a, it says with a notion of violence. And we see in the gospel accounts the violent reaction of these demons when they are cast out of a person. Demons love violence. And they'll put up a fight to keep us in their control. And they also will always lead the one possessed um, to do evil, to break God's law in some way. That's the whole point of it, see? Really. And to influence others through that possession to do the same thing. And we learned that there is a distinction between possessed with devils and sickness. Now with possession, a disease can be manifested as well as a result of the possession, but not always. The devil can also cause an illness and then supposedly heal the person of that disease. In fact, in one of my devotions this week I was reading, she says, uh, the prophet says exactly that. The devil will in these last days cause people great illnesses and then remove his power from them and attribute that to God and then lead them into doing away with God's law and, and them thinking that, that God had changed it. And also, you know, there, it's kind of a, there is one principle, Bible study principle in the Bible, it's called common sense reasoning. You know, common sense tells us there are some born-again Christians that have severe health issues. You know, so not every time somebody's sick is it a demon. Those who are filled with the Holy Spirit, those who are born again, they cannot be demon-possessed because light and darkness do not go together. In fact, somebody who's born again is actually Holy Spirit-possessed. See, and, and, But we have that inner battle with the tendencies and then, of course, we have the outer battle with these demons who do uh, tempt us. Um, and sometimes just our habits tempt us as well. Isn't that true? And one thing we've learned is that poor health choices do play a role in inviting demon possession because of uh, how they attack us through the senses. So we really need to know about you know, health reform, we need to practice good health reform so we can uh, be better shielded against uh, these enemies. Uh, in the other parts in this series, I think, you know, parts two through five, we learned that we have been given uh, commission by Christ to preach repentance, to cast out demons, to anoint with oil those that are sick, you know, min- basically the ministry of Jesus Christ, Right? And we are told that these are some of the signs that will follow his believers, uh, along with divine protection from. Remember what the, the Bible tells us? Poison from, and from serpents, as well as speaking in tongues and some of these things. And we looked at many examples of demon possession. We looked at uh, uh, New Testament examples of possession involving individuals. We looked at uh, the examples involving church members. Members that you think would be in good standing. Uh, church leaders. We looked at how demons can control groups. Um, the reality, really, friends, uh, of demon possession is, is further attested to by the fact that Christ addressed the demons as demons. And some people miss that. They'll say, oh, well, yeah, you know, that's... It's, it's some kind of disease. or some, Well, Jesus addressed them as a demon. And then that demon replied to Jesus as a demon. <laughs> uh, you know, through the medium of their victim. And sometimes that slides by people. They don't catch that. But uh, that's the reality. Um, and, and something else when you think about that, by the recognition of the divinity of Christ, um, uh, and, think of this, of the final judgment. Because at that particular time when Jesus was here, the facts concerning the judgment, they weren't really understood by the people generally. But the, the demons knew it. And so, you know, by their recognition of Christ and the recognition of the judgment, those demons gave evidence of what you would call supernatural knowledge. Right? So, These are some of the things that we have learned in this series. And what I want to do now, I want to share 
50 characteristics about demon possession that we learned during this series. And I went through and listed, as I was studying, I would just write down, I would make a note uh, of some characteristics. Every time, you know, something would pop up, i go, oh, wow, there's something there, there's something there. And these aren't really in any particular order. I kind of try to order them. Um, and, and I'm sure there are other characteristics as well. But these stand out from, from this series, from our study. And so I want to share them with you. And, um, and, and if you want a copy of, of the list, I have three different lists of things I'm going to share with you today. Um, just let me know, and I think I'll, I can put it in kind of a PDF file, and I can email it to you or, or get it to you in some way. Um, but uh, I, want to, I want to share with you right now, there's 50 characteristics here. From what we've studied, uh, these are things that we've learned um, about demon possession. Number one, demons are fallen angels. They are not dead people. They are not the souls of people stuck in purgatory or hell or some ethereal magical place out there somewhere or stuck in a particular house or you know what I'm saying they are fallen angels the second thing demons being angels they are what I call light benders and what I mean by that is that they can change their appearance some they have some supernatural way of distorting their appearance so that they look like something other than what they are Number three, there are varying kinds of demons. They're not like robots, um, where everyone is exactly the same. So there are varying, kind, varying kinds of demons. Because remember, they were angels at one time that served God. And God didn't create any robots. <laughs> And that's kind of a mystery that we, we have a hard time understanding how everyone can be so different and have some kind some varying difference between the two. But there there are varying kinds of demons. Number four, there are demons of varying supernatural strengths, just like there are of holy angels. Uh, number five, demons hate God's Ten Commandment law. They hate it. They'll do anything they can to break that law, they're going to pay the punishment for breaking it themselves, and they try to get us to break God's law as well. Number six, demons hate Christ and humans created in His image. We were created in the image of God. And uh, uh, demons hate that. Number seven, demons attack us as soon as we are born. As soon as we're born... They are. They want our destruction, friends. And some people don't realize that. <laughs> and so, you know, when when a, a righteous couple is is expecting, there's a lot of prayer that should extra prayer that should actually be involved in that in the protection of our children. Uh, number eight, demons can possess, and what we know what that means. That means cage the will of a person, but they cannot force that person to choose to sin. But they can possess or cage that, the person's will. Um, number nine, demons gain possession through the avenue of the carnal heart. Our uh, passions and our physical senses, uh, that's, that's how they actually tempt us, that's how they gain possession of a person. Number 10, demons appeal to the very worst passions of someone who's not born again. And, and well, probably about anybody, really. But, but those who are, aren't born again, they, they appeal to those worst passions. They stir up the worst elements of our human nature. Number 11, there are degrees or... Different fruits of manifestations of demon possession, depending upon 
how uh, much one may be possessed, or by how many demons possess a person, and how those demons respond. The fruit manifested can be of a beast, you know, or a minister of light, depending upon the agenda of the demon. It can and often does include physical ailments and diseases as a result, you see, of the possession. But just because, like I said before, just because somebody is sick or has a disease does not mean they're possessed. Okay. Number 12. Demons can render someone to be beast-like. Go back to, and I didn't, I, I might have touched on this, but you can go back and look at Nebuchadnezzar. Back in Daniel, what happened to him for seven years? <laughs> you know, he became, um, you know, he, he long-haired, filthy, naked. Right? This is where it will lead you, uh, bleeding. You know, cut yourself, burns. Um, Thirteen demon possession can change the visage of a person. You know, their outward appearance, whether they are uh, pious looking, you know, very pious, or, of course, the obvious one is when they look like a beast, you know. But uh, it can change the visages, their eyes. You'll notice uh, oftentimes I've read, and even in the Spirit of Prophecy, she mentions that there's something about their eyes. Well, see, it come, they come in through your brain when they possess it. They come in through the uh, neurological part of your body, and that affects your eyes. It's like when you take drugs, you know, you can tell by someone's eyes, can't you? Now, I'm not saying you can always tell by somebody's eyes, but that's one of the things. Uh, their face, contortions of their face, their their body language. Okay? 14. Demons cannot read our minds. They can't do it. But they do witness what? They witness our actions. They see our body language. And so they use that information to form attacks against us. They are able to determine what our weak points are by this. So they don't necessarily have to read our mind, see, in order to form a, uh, an attack against us that may just work. But they can't read our minds. Uh, number 15, demons can put thoughts and suggestions into a person's mind. That's part of the temptations. And, and I had a discussion with, with someone about dreams. Well, yeah, those are thoughts and things that they can put in your mind even while you're dreaming. See, <coughs> Number 16, demons tempt people to disobey and break God's law. Kind of touched on that earlier before. That's what they want to do. They want you to break God's law. They want to hurt Jesus. And... When we sin, sin is the transgression of God's law. And when we sin, as Paul says, we crucify Christ afresh. And that's what they like. That's what's so repugnant about the Mass. It brings to the remembrance Christ being crucified again. See, that's why you see uh, a crucifix has Jesus on the cross. <laughs> He's not off the cross, he's on that cross. And that's what they enjoy. They enjoy seeing that. Um, But they tempt people to disobey and break God's law. See, Number 17, demons will bribe people to disobey God. They'll, They'll make you rich. You make a contract. I mean, you look at Hollywood and a lot of these people that are very successful in the world. Oh yeah, they have a contract with the devil. They may not realize they have a contract with the devil, but they've given their heart over to the devil. And he's repaying them by bribing them. They, they have the wealth of this world. Number 18, demons try to coerce people to disobey God. Oh, they'll try to frighten you, coerce you. You know, uh, I was dealing with some harassment you know, things in the last few weeks. Haven't had any since then. But they'll try to coerce you. They can't force you to sin. That's still a choice, but they'll they'll really put the the persecution on you. And we just go back and look at the the dark ages, and we can see some examples of that. Uh, number nineteen: demons mock Christ and people. That makes sense since they hate Christ and they hate us. 
humans who were created in the image of God. They mock us. They mock Christ. Number 20, demons insult Christ and people. They will insult. Not very good uh, characteristics, wouldn't you say? These aren't Christ-like characteristics, are they? 21, demons can harass the righteous followers of Jesus at times, and they like to do that. And, and, and uh, um, this is something we talked about, and I don't know if I touch on this in this list. I might. I'm not sure. But um, that's, that's what we learned about intercessory prayer. We actually give the righteous angels permission. See? Uh, it gives them permission to, to help fight and battle uh, these demon angels on someone's behalf. God has, there are rules of engagement in this conflict. <laughs> you see, that's one of the things we learn too here. Number 22, demons can speak through people and animals and put words in their mouth. Satan spoke through the serpent there in the Garden of Eden, didn't he? And whenever a demon came forth and hollered and Jesus, you know, came in front of Jesus. It was the, the, let's look at the demoniac, for example. He was standing there in front of Jesus, but when he tried to speak, the demon spoke through him instead. Number 23, demons can recruit other demons to join a possession. Remember the one time Jesus said, what is your name? And he said, legion, for we are many. So they, they can recruit others. And remember also, you may, uh, the example that Jesus gave of the person having the demon cast out and their life became orderly, but they didn't fill their life with good things and that demon went and found seven others, demons, and came back and that person was worse off. They can recruit other demons. Number 24, demons can and often do camouflage their possession of someone by acts of piety. Again, it just depends on the person's or, or the demon's agenda for that particular person. Um, so they they can either turn them in. They they would have. I I think they would rather have that person be beast like because it's a continual visage of a mockery of God in His image. You know, but it depends upon the agenda. If they can bring other people into Satan's sphere by that person being looked at as more pious than others. I mean, look at uh, Judas, for example. He was possessed uh, and, and betrayed Christ. And the, the, you would talk to the disciples and they would, would tell you he was the, one of the most pious one of their number. Number 25. Demons quote scripture to show a form of godliness, but they hide their true intentions. Satan quoted scripture to Jesus. Well, I should say he misquoted, or he twisted, or he left it off, part of the scripture. Okay? And that's, that's another reason why we need to be uh, very familiar, memorize God's word, so they won't, we won't be fooled. You know? Today, <laughs> there's some people that attribute things to the Bible that aren't in there. You know, cleanliness is next to godliness. Have you ever heard that? People say, "Oh, the Bible says cleanliness is next to godliness." That's not in the Bible. You can look for it; it's not there. I mean, the the principle is good, <laughs> right? So there's some things that are attributed to God's word that really aren't there. And, and so we need to understand and know God's Word. Isn't that true, friends? Uh, which number are we on here? 26? Number 26, demons lead, uh, and this goes right into what we I said before, demons lead a person uh, into fanaticism. And fanaticism, a very simple definition of fanaticism, is when you add to or you take away from the Word of God. When you do that, it becomes your own belief. It's not from God, it's your own belief. And usually it's an extreme in one way or another. 
That's what uh, fanaticism is, and demons will lead you into that. Uh, number 27, demons can cause sickness, disease, dumbness, deafness, blindness. Right? Number 28, demons can bully someone to the point of insanity and even suicide. We've seen this with the animals. Jesus cast out the, the demon for those, those demons from uh, the demoniacs and they went into the swine. 2,000 swine, and those swine rushed off the cliff and committed suicide by drowning. And they can do the same with human beings. Number 29, demons know exactly, this may seem like, oh, a duh, but demons do know exactly who Jesus is, and they know who his followers are. They know you. Don't think they don't. Number 30, demons are not attracted to Christ. <laughs> that seems like another obvious one, you know. 31, demons challenge Christ's authority. They'll, get a, they'll try to get by with as much as they possibly can get by with. That's why Jesus didn't engage them, really. He rebuked them, made them leave. But they would challenge his authority. 32, demons attend church. Some people go, what? Oh yeah, they're there. Demons attend church and every meeting of the righteous. You see, friends, they don't have to sleep. You realize that? I should probably put that one in. Demons don't have to sleep. You know, they're, They have that supernatural ability. And so, you know... Um, they do attend church. They're at every meeting of the righteous, looking for chinks in the armor. Number 33, demons must obey Christ, even from a distance. They are a defeated foe, and they have to obey Jesus. And they have to obey, well, I'll get to that later, but they have to obey Christ, and it doesn't matter from where, of course, Jesus is in heaven now, you know, Jesus doesn't have to be there face to face, in other words, is, is what I'm saying. Uh, 34, demons will cry out to distract from righteous testimony or from truth preaching. or you know, you know, They'll do that to try to distract a crowd who's being wooed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, 35, demons will scream aloud or cry out like a raven croaks. I found very interesting. Uh, Thayer says it is a cry from the depth of the throat. Number 36, demons associate with themes of death, the grave, the occult, black magic, uh, anything we think is darkness, evil, etc. They're associated with all that. 37, I kind of touched on this, demons love war, they love violence, they love to torment, they love to destroy. Number 38, you cannot reason with a demon and it is dangerous to try. Jesus was a very good example for us in how to deal with this enemy. You don't try to reason with him. You don't get into conversation with him. Because what happens, or what possibly can happen, number 39, demons will captivate your mind by mesmerism or hypnotism. Number 40, Demons vehemently fight against being cast out. I kind of touched on that before. They fight against it, and they'll they'll be very physical about it when coming out of a person very often. Number 41, demons only know what God allows them to know. Now, that's a surprise to some people. But God doesn't have to share uh, the truth with demons. He doesn't have to share things, His purposes, with them. The things that he gives to the prophets to share with us, who are his people, are for us. <laughs> I mean, there were a number of times when Jesus cast out demons and they thought it was the judgment day right then. And that's what they questioned. Is it time for you to destroy us? See, they didn't know. They only know what God allows them to know. Number 42. Demons do know their time to live is short. That's why they fear the judgment. They know that they have an end. 
and uh, they're uh, they're terrified of it, which is number forty-three. Demons are ter terrified. I think I got uh, terrorized. <laughs> Demons are terrified of God's judgment day, because that's when their life ends. And these are beings that um, we don't know how long they've been around. You know, number forty-four. Many who are demon possessed can still be physically brought to Christ to be delivered. They can be delivered. They can have victory. Number 45, only Jesus and those born again and acting with His authority can cast out a demon. And many times, if need be, we think of uh, Mary Magdalene. Jesus cast a demon out of her seven times, we're told. Number 46, and I, I touched on this earlier too. Once a demon is cast out, the person must replace their life with faith and righteousness or that demon can return and bring others with him. He can go out rec recruiting. Number 47, demons can cause self-mutilation. You know, we looked at that example where the prophets of Baal were against Elijah there in Mount Carmel and they were dancing around and they were doing what? They were mutilating themselves. They were cutting themselves. In fact, you see today, you see our the culture of our youth today where they pierce their bodies and they do tattooing and all this. This is a part of self-mutilation, friends. This is why, you know, when you see someone like that, they may get kind of wrapped up with peer pressure stuff, but it's actually demons at work leading them further and further. The further and further you get away, let me put it this way, the further and further you get away from God, the more and more you will see this in a person's life. Because that's where it leads to. So when I see some of the youth and some people, and they've, they're, they're all marked up and they're pierced and all this, i got a pretty good idea where their spiritual life is. And we need to pray for for sure. But demons can cause self-mutilation. Uh, number 48. Intercessory prayer, I mentioned this before too, gives holy angels permission uh, to cast demons away from another soul, to fight on their behalf. This is why you know, we're told in the Bible to pray for one another. You know? We are to pray for one another. Give God permission to work. <laughs> And he works through the agency of his angels. And, and uh, we want to have those righteous angels around us, don't we? Number 49, demons try to separate us from family and society. Because, you know, um, you can conquer somebody, you know, divide and conquer. They want to get us away from those who can help. You know, uh, there are people... I've done, uh, I've done sermons, I've done... Well, you know I have. I've sp spoken at camp meetings and different things, and there have been, at some meetings, people I expected to be there that really needed to hear this particular message, and for some reason, they missed that night, or they missed that time. Something distracted them. Something got their attention. Something they had to deal with. Those are demons at work, friends. They don't want people to be, they, don't, they want people separated from the truth. They don't want them to hear these things, and someone that can help them. And number 50, demons can control groups of people, uh, and I call it mobs. That's what a mob is, a mob mentality they have. That's, that's from uh, demons. And so there are 50, 50, a list of 50 things that I, I kind of come up with, came up with during this series and when we were studying. Uh, um, and I'm sure there's like I said earlier, there are, I'm sure there are more, or maybe there are some other characteristics that fall within some of these characteristics. Um, but uh, it, it's, a, it's remarkable, the things that you learn from God's Word by the examples that He's given to us. In part six of our series, uh, we looked at what can invite or open, us, you know, open up a person or a group to be demon-possessed. And I'll tell you, all who reject or ignore the truth actually declare their allegiance to the, to the evil one. That's why Jesus said, you're either with me or against me. What he means by that. Uh, let me read this to you. This is from the book, The Desire of Ages, page 341. Desire of Ages, page 
341. Satan's influence is constantly exerted upon men to distract the senses, control the mind for evil, and incite to violence and crime. He weakens the body, darkens the intellect, and debases the soul. Whenever men reject the Savior's invitation, they are yielding themselves to Satan. Through his specious temptations, Satan leads men to worse and worse evils, till utter depravity and ruin are the result. The only safeguard against his power is found in the presence of Jesus. Before men and angels, Satan has been revealed as man's enemy and destroyer, Christ as man's friend and deliverer. So there's only one source of help for all of us, friends, and that's Jesus. Amen. Thank God for the gift of Jesus. Those who those who persistently refuse or neglect to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit, uh, yielding instead to the control of Satan, they develop a character that more and more closely resembles his. See? Remember the principle, by beholding we become changed. The conscience and the, 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 the power of choice set up a pattern of conduct based on Satan's principles. You know, Paul talks about that in Romans 6. As men progressively separate themselves from the influence and control of the Holy Spirit, they ultimately find themselves completely at the devil's mercy. And this is what we saw in some of the uh, people who in the New Testament who were possessed. They didn't set out to be on the devil's side. That wasn't their, you know, intention. Um, and just look in the room there, you get an example of a demon's harassment by that post right there. Exactly what I'm talking about. And, of course, those hearing me now don't know <laughs> what I'm talking about, but uh, I'm not going to repeat what that demon just put in the room. But uh, there's an example right there. You see, but these people, they'll find themselves completely at the devil's mercy, and then they're held fast by a will that is stronger than their own. And so they cannot of themselves escape from his power. They automatically think and act as Satan bids them to. Their will is caged. It's weak. They, have, they think they have no hope. Again, from the book, um, The Desire of Ages, page 256. So it will be with all who yield to evil. The fascinating pleasure of their early career ends in the darkness of despair or the madness of a ruined soul. Which goes along with what I said about that. They can lead a person to insanity and suicide, self murder. All who do not yield themselves unreservedly to the indwelling of the Spirit of God are thus, in a greater or lesser degree, under the control or in the possession of or caged by Satan. And every Ascent to evil, friends, weakens. That's the result. It, it results in a weaker body, a darker mind, a more debased soul that will lead to demon captivity. But nevertheless, at any point in the process of character formation, and we read in Steps to Christ, pages 57 and 58, she says, The character is revealed not by occasional good deeds and occasional misdeeds, but by the tendency of the habitual words and acts. So, th that gives us hope, doesn't it? Because we might slip up doesn't mean, oh, we were demon-possessed. We slipped up. We tripped. We missed the mark, as the Bible puts it. And we still have hope. We look to Christ and He delivers us. Not only does the degree of demon control or possession vary, but also the form in which it is manifested, as I mentioned before. At times, Satan can accomplish his 
his purposes more effectively by letting his victim retain his mental and physical faculties, you know, quite intact. They can simulate piety. We see that if we look at uh, the Church of Rome. You see it very well. But at other times, the devil perverts the mind and the body and leads the victim to obviously unholy and evil ways that are very distinct. You know that they are possessed. Those only partially under the control of demons or who uh, don't manifest symptom, uh, these symptoms, popularly, you know, people look at and when you say possessed by demons, they, they think of all these symptoms. They've either seen it in movies or whatever, you know. The, the, these people are, are, you mentioned demon possession, and it's like, oh, well, they're, they can twist their head all the way around, and they can, you know, they vomit, and they do this, and that just based on movies. Um, sometimes they're more useful to to Satan than you know those that that are act piously. It just depends on the agenda, like I said earlier. The same evil spirit that possessed the the maniac of Capernaum also controlled the the unbelieving Jews. Judas was possessed in a, a similar sense. And, and, you know, in cases like that, the difference is primarily one of the form in which the demons manifest their presence and their power. It just depends. But to whatever degree or in whatever form demons gain control of a human being, they do so through the sensory nervous system, through our senses. You've heard me say it many times, friends, that the battle between Christ and Satan is a battle for what? There you go, you're pointing to it. The human mind. That's what the battle's for. Satan attacks us or tempts us through our senses, through our passions, through our emotions. And this is why, just for an example, there are a number of things, but this is why music can be so dangerous, as it bypasses in a great degree our reasoning center. But don't miss this. Demon possession cannot occur except through the nervous system, because that's uh, the avenue that Satan gains access to the mind and then in turn controls the body. Inasmuch as the, the nervous system itself is the first part of the being to be affected. This is why you see some of these things, these various nervous disorders such as epilepsy or psychosis you know, of different kinds. Well, they can be expected in connection with demon possession. And those disorders are often the result of yielding in one way or another to the influence and suggestions of the devil. However, as I mentioned before, these disorders don't necessarily accompany demon possession, nor are they necessarily a mark of demon possession any more than deafness and dumbness, which at times accompany demon possession. We saw in these, the examples. But it is very interesting. If you take the book, The Desire of Ages, and, and you read that book, every case of demon possession that's described in that book is specifically said to have involved some form of mental derangement, popularly described as insanity, and this condition is pointed to as the result of demon possession. For instance, the demon-possessed man in the synagogue at Capernaum, when we started our, our studies, this series. He is described as a maniac in his affliction as insanity and madness. That's the Desire of Ages, page 256. Uh, the demoniacs of Gadara, they're similarly spoken of as madmen and maniacs and said to have had distracted minds, she puts it in Desire of Ages, page 341. The demon-possessed boy at the foot of the Mount of the Transfiguration is also called a maniac. Desire of Ages, page 429. You read this over and over. Symptoms of nervous disorder specifically mentioned are, are distortion of a person's countenance, shrieking, mutilation of the body, glaring with the eyes, gnashing with the teeth, foaming at the mouth, um, convulsions. Those things, actually, they, they resemble epilepsy, don't they? And in each case, the expulsion of the evil spirits was accompanied by an instantaneous 
and an evident change. That person's mental equilibrium was restored, their physical health was restored where it had been impaired. Their intelligence returned, right? The afflicted ones were clothed again in their their right minds, she says on page 338. Their reason was restored, she says on page 568. And we've seen it in the Bible accounts there in you know, Mark 5, Luke 8. But so far as uh, uh, inspiration has said, the various manifestations of physical and mental disorder that Mark the demon possessed were, in and of themselves, no different from similar manifestations that people would say, oh, that's from natural causes. The difference... Uh, lay not in the nervous and physical symptoms that were displayed, but in the agency that caused them, see? And inspiration says that these symptoms uh, were direct from a direct presence in the agency of evil spirits. And what I want to point out, and we talked about this, the difference between being possessed and sickness, the various physical and mental disorders did not in any of them, in and of themselves, constitute what the Gospels describe as demon possession. They were the result of demon possession. In other words, if somebody's blind physically, they're blind. Okay? What is the cause of that blindness? It could be something natural, or it could be the result of demon possession. In essence, what I'm saying. But the devil comes through our mind. He attacks us through our mind and, and through this uh, um, the, oh, what's the word? I'm looking, the, the, oh, goodness. The nervous system. I'm just going to draw a blank here. He attacks us through the nervous system. And so it makes sense that these are some of the the attributes that we would see because he's coming through the nervous system. <laughs> see? So we looked at that and, and, and then I shared with you ten paths and we'll look at them again here. Ten paths that lead can lead to demon possession. Alright? First, number one, being indifferent to spiritual things. Yeah, we. I'm just uh, concluding our series and... It's a summary. The first was being indifferent to spiritual things. Remember we read about the guy, he, he thought life, the, the guy that was possessed of demons there at Capernaum, he thought life was a carnival. He just wanted to enjoy the pleasures of life. He had no thought to God or he was indifferent to the spiritual things. Well, that can lead to demon possession. Second thing, unbelief. You don't believe in God. Okay? Or number one, I'll tell you, number one, being indifferent to spiritual things. There are many people today that claim to be Christians, but by their life they don't show that they're Christians. Couldn't you say in some of those maybe they're just really, they are indifferent to it? Versus number two, they don't believe in God. When we see that, we usually think of someone who says they're an atheist. You know, they, don't believe, they just have no belief in that there's a God. Or scientists, science, quote, so-called. Number three, worldly surroundings. And what I mean by that is surrounding yourself with the things of the world instead of the things of God. Okay, That can lead you. That gives demons uh, permission to be around you. And remember, by beholding, we become changed. So that can lead to demon possession. Number four, lifestyle choices. Especially those choices that benumb our senses. All of our senses. Anything that alters our senses and places us in a a passive state. That can allow the entrance of devils. You know. So, you may think it's an innocent thing. And that's what the devil wants you to think. Is that it's an innocent thing. You know, like meditation. Well, yeah, you can meditate upon God's word. But there are especially in the religions of the East, Far East, certain uh, 
rituals of meditation that open your mind up to, to the devil. It's mind control. Hypnotism. Don't ever give your mind con- your, the control of your mind to someone else, friends. Yoga. There are certain exercises in yoga that are used in the pagan religions that call demons. Spiritual formation, which is remarkable that God's church, professed church today, uh, teaches that. These spiritual exercises that invite demons. NLP or Neuro Linguistic Programming. They teach, you know, you go to our... our uh, seminaries and they're teaching future pastors how to use NLP to have control over a congregation. Well, who is it that really has control over the congregation? And that pastor. And anything like that that opens your your mind up, that benumbs your senses. Uh, Number five, isolation. And I need to, to clarify that a bit. There was a little bit of misunderstanding about that. And what I meant mean by isolation, I mean separating from, completely from humanity. Yeah, being a hermit with no contact with like believers. Okay? And, you know, Hebrews 10.25, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together if it's possible to do so. In our case, we're scattered out and around, and we're, but we're meeting together through the avenue of the Internet. See, there is a bond there still. There is connection. You're not completely isolated. And that just doesn't involve individuals. I'm also talking about certain groups. Now, there is a time when we are to flee, we are to get isolated from the world, but that's when this conflict is, and probation is, has ended. See, uh, Number six, deception. Specifically self-deception, but any deception. Being, but being di- addicted to oneself. That means, you know, you neglect prayer, you neglect Bible study, or, or fellowshipping with the saints, or witnessing. That's a big thing, friends. Uh, and other faith-building activities, that can cause a person to dwell more constantly upon themselves. When you do that, you're following after Satan's will and not God's will. God wants us to share the truth with others. And then maybe some obvious ones here. Number seven, rejecting outright Bible truth. I've had studies with people, when you get to the Sabbath, it they learn that and it, it's like it ends for them. They understand everything else is coming from the Bible, but when I share the Sabbath truth from the Bible, somehow they just can't accept that, so they, they, they reject it. They outright reject Bible truth. That can open you up. Demon possession. Uh, number eight, disobedience to God's law. That's the purpose. That's what they want. They want to to, to uh, control you to break God's law. But when you do it yourself, <laughs> that really, you're saying you're on the devil's side. Unknowingly, many accounts, but disobedience to God's law. Uh, number nine, dabbling in the occult and the paranormal. You know, by engaging in occult, and most paranormal activities such as astrology, fortune-telling, clairvoyance, etc., that can open you up. You're getting into a realm that you're not to get into. Um, When you seek the aid or enlightenment from any type of spiritual entity, that's an excellent way to become demon-possessed friends. And then number ten, outright rebellion. When you just outright choose Satan as your god, you know, you seek power or authority from a supernatural source. You, you use witchcraft, sorcery, magic, charms, voodoo, those types of things to give yourself power or influence over others in a supernatural manner. You know, like Simon Magus. He just wanted the power. See, he didn't want to follow Jesus. He wanted the power over people. When you do that, you're asking Satan to use you. And so when you think about these things and you contemplate counsel against being involved with, for example, this thought popped into my mind when I was going over this. Um, when you think about the counsel that, uh, against being involved with secret societies and labor unions, some people go, what? Well, think about it in these terms of demon possession. Because it'll start to make some sense to you, I guarantee you. 
Demons love to do things under the cover of darkness, don't they? And secret societies, what do they do? They perpetuate that attitude. And the same with labor unions. In any group of that kind of nature. You see, it's easier for demons to gain a foothold over groups as they are usually made up of those who've already surrendered their will to the group in which they belong. And God tells us that the only one we are to surrender our will to is Him. See? We are to allow Him to direct our paths. Uh, In part 7, just more recently here, we looked at how we can be protected against demons and how to cast them out. And through the agency of the Holy Spirit, Christ abides in the hearts of those who, by their own free choice, will to serve Him. And as, with their cooperation, He works in them, as Paul says, to will and to do of His good pleasure, a power from on high takes possession. We're possessed by the Holy Spirit. It brings then our natural tendencies into harmony with divine principles. We keep the law of God. We want to do God's will. Our desires are being changed, see? God puts within us an enmity, a hatred for sin. And only those who thus yield control of their minds to God can, in the full sense of the word, have a sound mind. Let this mind be in you, Paul said. And so we can enjoy true and complete mental and emotional stability. No one who chooses the service of God will be left to the power of Satan, friends. No one. Fortified by divine power, they become invulnerable against the assaults of Satan. And that's what we want. We want that hedge around us, that hedge of protection. And the end result is that they reflect the image of God perfectly. That's the, that's the mark we're shooting for, isn't it, friends? And so last time, really, we were together, I shared... Steps to casting out demons. And here are seven steps. And, and uh, the first four are kind of like the preparation part. Number one, we need to confess and repent of our sins. Right? And number two, we need to accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord and be born of the water and of the Spirit. Number three, we need to submit ourselves to God and walk in the light, keeping His commandments. Number four, we put on the whole armor of God, as Paul says in Ephesians. Put on the whole armor. And then we get into praying without ceasing. We need to memorize and cite the word of God and invoke as our authority the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we cast out demons. Not only that, heal the sick, do, you know, do the works of Jesus. And so, friends, I just wanted to... Uh, I wanted to cover this, this whole series. I wanted to cover this with you, and there's plenty, really there's plenty more that we can learn about. Keep studying. But I, I hope, when, you know, when you learn some of the characteristics of your enemy, and you go back and you read some of, of God's Word, some things begin to make a little more sense. And you have a little bit greater understanding. So keep studying. This is biblical truth. And I'm telling you, if they needed it back then when Jesus came the first time, I think we need it today. In fact, we will be doing it. This is one of the the things, the signs that people will know that we are Christians. That we walk with Jesus as we prepare for His second coming. The devil has come down with great wrath, friends. We need to know we have a very real enemy out there and that God has given us the tools to have victory. He wants you to be free. And you can be free. You can do all things through Christ. Isn't that that true? Greater is He that is in you, right, than is in the world. Christ's authority, Christ's name, He can set you free from whatever those, you know, Demonic harassments may may be. And maybe there's something in your life that you, you're having a struggle with. Christ can remove that for you. Jesus wants to set you and I free, friends. So let's come to Him 
and allow Him to possess our hearts and gain that protection against this enemy. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we do again thank you so very, very much for your holy word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who comes into our hearts and minds and helps us in our battles every day, helps us to be overcomers, helps us to share the truth with others. We are very, very thankful for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We accept him as our Lord and Savior right now. We pray that you forgive us our sins. We claim his blood that was shed there at Calvary. We rebuke Satan by the authority of Jesus' name. We pray that the, you will send angels that excel in strength to walk with us and protect us from this defeated foe. And that we, we may do the works of Jesus in our families and in our neighborhoods and across the world. That we may hasten his soon return and this conflict can come to an end and sin be destroyed forever. We thank you so much for your wonderful love towards us and your mercy. And we pray this in the name of Jesus who is worthy. Amen.